0: Hey, everybody, it's Dr. Deb with PTSD and Beyond. You know what today is, right? Okay, go ahead and say it with us. It's June 30th. Now, some people might say, oh my gosh, it's the last day of PTSD Awareness Month, but you wanna know what? There's actually some of us, yes, drumroll, that continue for the other 364 days of the year. It's not just a day of a month, and it's not just a month out of the year. So today, guess what? We have another amazing guest. We've got Frank Connolly, who's the producer, yes, hello, of those who serve. And we're going to talk about their documentary. And But before that, let's give Frank a heartfelt PTSD and beyond welcome. Welcome to the show, Frank.
1: Thank you. It's wonderful to be here.
0: Well, I'm so excited to have you on because we, before we started recording, we were talking about all the things that you're working on to help bring awareness and education to post traumatic stress. Before we, you know, transition into that conversation, why don't you share a little bit about yourself and about the movie and how uh, you guys got started?
1: Um, well, uh, start off a little bit about me. Um, I've, what we, I guess it's now. I just recently learned uh, I could categorize myself as having a hybrid profession. Means I I started out as a uh, well I'm now a recovering lawyer I spent about a decade practicing law um, as an international lawyer and um, it was there that I started working on um, uh, workforce development which is another term that I really dislike but it was essentially taking um, large populations of employees like in places like India and trying to determine how we can you know, best create sort of a you know a workplace community for them and this was back in the days where corporate social responsibility was seen as risk management and therefore it went into the legal department so um i as part of the work that i did was uh, communications uh, corporate communications what we called like st- all these buzzwords right uh you know stakeholder engagement which was you know whether we're talking to the consumer the workforce the board of directors and have a different basically communication for each of them Uh, but it always had to be a congruent story and um, it was in that um, in that environment uh, that I really fell in love with with storytelling and uh, being able to uh, you know launch programs that were you know compassionate and and really take some time to understand the populations that we were working with and then be able to tell those stories and communicate those stories out um, was very powerful obviously the corporations loved that because it you know kind of humanizes right. you know the, the company or the brand um but it also a lot of times led to really big advancements when you just take a little bit of time to curate um a, a program that that is is designed to be to listen um to not just trip constantly be thinking that well, we know what's best for the we know what's best for for our employees i mean i honestly this is a true story uh we had one one uh, program that i was working on in india with a lot of like thousands of employees and the senior manager says we just simply cannot throw any more pizza parties <laughs> i was like what are you talking about <laughs> uh and it, it was like well you know at first it was like we seemed like if we threw pizza parties that brought everybody up increased morale but we just we just can't do that anymore <laughs> i'm just like well, that's number one that's the wrong approach but anyway i i ended up uh forming a small team uh creating a, a little media technology back in about 2009 and now i've expanded that media technology uh to now which is um, um called hero bridge and uh what we do is we we make films um that that address certain issues uh, social issues And we use those films to sort of inspire um, large populations or targeted populations. And then once we inspire those populations, we try to drive them into some form of action. And that action can be volunteerism, advocacy, financial support, whatever the case may be, that actually we can measure the effect that the film is having on the issue. So um, Those Who Serve is one of those examples, Uh, Jeff Werner is the filmmaker um he's an amazing filmmaker but more than anything he's probably one of the most patient filmmakers i've ever met because to do a story like we set out to do which was tell the story of three um marine decorated marines who had returned from combat um to find themselves in the criminal justice system in the countries that they you know fought overseas to defend in the way of life to defend um Obviously, the timeline of, of, um, of the three stories had, you know, it's a court system. Right. It <laughs> you know, would set up and it'd be a continuance. And um, but I, I think more than just, you know, just capturing what I would consider like the news of news treatment of the stories of those three Marines, um, Jeff and I uh, devoted ourselves to making sure that we told a 360 degree story and probably and that's, you know, access. And I think one of the hardest things to do was to, um, to go to back to the families, you know, to take it away from the subject because, and I'll get into this in a moment, we can talk about this part. Um, veterans in the criminal justice system, and it's not all veterans and it's not all people, but many times people, the first time they enter the criminal justice system is the first time. There's a social awareness that that individual may be suffering from some mental health issue and in the case of veterans um sometimes it's pts traumatic brain injury right moral injury yep and those things only come out after there is like in the case of rick who's one of the three marines in our story a complete psychotic break uh thought he was back in afghanistan under attack ended up shooting his and killing his neighbor um who he thought was the enemy um his wife his mother-in-law, his baby child. Um, there's that was a that captured a very large part of our storytelling. Uh, because she was stuck by him and and was there by him and is still there with him. And he's I mean, he may not get out of prison ever. I mean, he was it, it was just a long sequence just to get him um uh declared to be, you know, legally insane, quote unquote. Um uh, uh, so that he didn't just go to a maximum security prison. So you know this is very hard storytelling, and um, but it's necessary storytelling. Yep. And um, it, so that's basically how we got from where I was to to now with this film.
0: I like what you just said right now, and I think that's a a great self quote. Is that it's it's very hard storytelling, but it's very necessary storytelling. And these aren't fictitious stories. These are real people's lived experience. So I think that in our community, with our listeners especially, there are people, we have what we call an and community. So we have people with lived experience. Then we have people that are practitioners. We have people that are researchers. We have people that are (laughs) leaders in communities. And then also folks that are are linked to what I would say influencers of change um, that can actually... Help expedite that awareness, and what are we going to do as a society about making some of these changes? And these are conversations that, while they are difficult and emotional, it's not impossible. So, difficult doesn't mean conflict, difficult means the the realism that we're Mm -hmm. talking about. It's not a story that is, um, you know, a fictitious kind of thing where. Well, it could happen, but it doesn't happen to me. Actually, you know what? If somebody was to, whoever's listening to this podcast right now, if you go and meet with, say, five of your friends, so there's six of you total, depending on the stats and the data, one of that group or two of those folks have a mental health challenge, have experienced, somebody there has experienced a traumatic event. So when I get together in a group, especially with leaders and executives and organizations, there was... um panel of of folks that we were talking about how they can integrate um, post-traumatic stress awareness and trauma-informed training in their organization. So, I actually said this. Now, take me out of the equation. So, two of you folks here, and y'all work together, somebody here, two of you have had a traumatic experience. And actually, the conversation then transitioned to be, can we look at the pandemic as a traumatic event for society? And yes, we can. We can. There's multiple layers of traumatic events, and one of the things that I appreciate too, Frank, about what you're saying is that we have a a specialized group here of veterans, and that traumatic stress, while it wasn't firsthand experienced by the family members, it's secondary experienced by the family members.
1: Exactly. I mean, I had um, I had a conversation. I I did. I have. Well, I'll get into. Why I was on this behind the microphone on this one, but um, somebody you know said, "Well, you know, homelessness is actually a mental health issue," and I said, "I completely agree with you. It is the cognitive dissonance of all of us. Yes, make it so that it even is a possibility that someone in our society is homeless." And um, to your point, exactly, you know, the three kind of films that I make are, are, are ones where. I believe that social impact can be made because of this detachment that we socially have. And I guess that's the point you're making is that, um, you know, with veterans, we see these things as veteran PTSD, right? The first word is veteran. Right. Um, so that it's okay, well, then it's a veteran issue. That means the VA should take care of it, or that means that, um, you know, the veteran groups should take care of it. No, it's a societal issue and requires a societal response. And I, and I think, you know, at least I hope that films like the ones that we're making, like Those Who Serve and, and some others, um, that shine and open up the light that these are human issues that need compassionate, um, that need compassionate response. Right. Um, and need a compassionate solutions, And that's why yeah. I think, you know, in the case of, of Those Who Serve, one of the things that obviously we highlight in film is the Special Veterans Court. In los angeles which many people don't know there's like 300 of those across the country you know some get better funded than others the one in la was the pilot started by a judge many years ago um but it was in the recognition that when a veteran comes into the criminal justice system they mean they may need special rep, legal representation that you know supports their rights not only as a veteran but also supports the the knowledge like you said statistically that that veteran that whatever crime that veteran has been charged with may have a mental health issue underlying it Mm -hmm. and unless that's addressed or at least you know from the criminal justice system is not part of the military complex it's not you know it's it's actually not part of the government legislative complex Part of the judicial complex, which is part of a reflection of us, us as a society. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, I think more of that, um, more of those kind of opportunities where um we can create trauma-informed communities. And um and uh, and that is you know maybe it is the veterans um having a, their own community where they can express and feel safe enough and destigmatize these issues to where they get to self-help. Or or or, or self-helping, self-help behavior, right? Like asking for help. Yeah. Um, and then obviously around that is, um, you know, an informed society that embraces that and doesn't try to destigmatize that. I mean, I, I can kind of go into some of the challenges that we had with this film. And,
0: exactly. And- right. I think that one of the things that needs to be talked about, too, are some of the challenges. I had a conversation yesterday with, a, a, a she's a forensic psychologist that works specifically with veterans, Dr. Pam Hall. And we were talking specifically about if all of these medications, for example, right? Uh, are supposed to be as effective as they claim to be, then where's the massive success stories? Because we know the massive amounts of pharmaceuticals, and I'm not saying that they don't work for folks, okay? But what I am saying is that within the experience that we have within our community, our PTSD and beyond community, there are a small amount of folks that are saying, I need to take this because it's helpful, and a large amount of people that are saying, this doesn't help me now. I'm having adverse side effects. Now I'm having side effects, even though I'm not on them anymore. And so, where are the massive success stories? So, part of the challenge is to talk about the challenges because we're yes. not talking about the challenges. It's like the elephant in, a in the room.
1: Way, right. Right. Correct. It so simple. <laughs> exactly. It honestly, is that simple? Um, but you know, we're we're in a society now, especially in the media you know, your your podcaster, I'm filmmaker, you know, the first thing you do when you finish your film is what? You try to figure out where it's going to go get distributed. So I did what I would normally do, and is find, you know, somebody who has expertise in the subject matter, which was obviously this would have been veteran content or, you know, um, in, in some, one outlet wanted us to treat it as a true crime story. And I was like, that doesn't fit. That's not going to do yep. um and one of my very closest friends who is a combat veteran who has suffered from sometimes crippling ptsd who has taken exotic measures to try to to manage it um said this is a film that needs to be seen so he he actually was probably one of the, the most tied into you know networks and platforms and how to get you know veteran content distributed he was he was the guy that worked for this um, agency that that placed those kind of shows, and he could not get. I mean, it was crooked. He could not get anybody to pick up our film um because, think about this: what are the algorithms of a of a movie about decorated combat veterans, you know, who have come back honorably discharged, who are now in the criminal justice system for murder? Mm-hmm. and there's no real happy ending there's one happy ending but the other two are just like we we leave you with in the film feeling that something must be done that's the goal of the film here's full 360 now is this enough right is this enough that we just have a criminal justice system that that does this or or do we need like organizations like Community veteran justice project who recognized that and wraps, wraps services around these veterans to make sure they're not tailspinning and their families are not tailspinning. Right when they do hit the criminal justice system. Because imagine crippling PTSD on top of now, you know, felony offense and no right. legal representation. So this kind of a storytelling is not what they see as better the veteran content that they want to see on their platforms, see on networks. So we we just pivoted and said, you know what, our film is a tool, let's use it as a tool. And that's where we're we're gonna be um, launching on Journeys in Film, uh, which is an amazing educational, um, uh, they, they call it the Netflix of education. So you've got great movies that also come with lesson plans and discussion guides, and it'll be available to like tens of thousands of educators across the country for free. And um, that's what we're gonna use this film for i mean we're awesome. gonna, in the fall we're going to put it into distribution and it'll be able to be found on um, on different platforms but it's really going to be just people finding it. it it's not going to get it's not the kind of veteran content where they're going to take the risk of you know quote unquote the risk or the algorithms aren't telling them that a film about veterans committing murder is going to be something that's going to get high view ratings they, they just won't touch it. And that's the saddest part of it. That's of that's the compassionate disconnect. Right?
0: It is the compassionate disconnect. It's a compassionate disconnect. And then also it's the, we talked about this before recording, if not now, then when? And, and, if, and not if not us, us, us then right, right, exactly. Then who? Yep. Right? And so yep. I, what I... What I find fascinating, and this brings up my background before I started you know, working in the mental health sphere and then also um, podcasting with, with business innovation, it makes me think about the missed innovative opportunity that someone at some point is going to say, no, I'm going to go do this. And then, I mean, if you think about Netflix and Blockbuster, it's, it's the same pattern that Blockbuster just completely dismissed. Netflix. Oh, that'll never happen, right? Well, now look. And it's the same, again, the same business pattern if we look at Kmart and Target. It's the same pattern. It's the same pattern. Whether we're looking at, you know, even athletes like Michael Jordan, it's the same pattern. So the cluster is we're not going to touch it. The outliers, the innovator, right? Who's eventually going to touch it and say, I'm going to run with it. I'm going to do it. I mean, look at Gene Roddenberry, right? With Star Trek. I usually, you know, I, two references I'll use are cooking because people don't, like don't to do Don't start eat. on
1: Trek. Tre- I'm a total Trekkie. So you <laughs> don't know what avenue you've just turned down.
0: <laughs> so, but Star Trek, right? Like, exactly. I mean, exactly. So when we don't need yeah. to have first contact, sometimes I actually say there, okay, guess what? We're ready. We're ready. We're ready for, for first contact. But really, who is it going to be? Um,
1: and the networks couldn't wait to cancel that show, by the way. The first, you know, the very first. Right.
0: Exa- do you want to know? Okay, sidebar tangent. Now it's I the can't.
1: largest. It's bigger than Star Wars as a as a science fiction brand. Right. And probably the largest franchise. In, you know,
0: ex- exactly. And who was the producer? Remember the very first producer, Desi Lu, right? Lucille yeah. Ball. Yeah. Took a woman a- to freaking do it. Okay, I'm just Another saying. I'm, I know, right? Another, right? Is it You never know. I don't know. Maybe I should go play the lottery. My dad was a veteran, so and I, and I got his picture over here. You know, it's like, okay, you said, and here I am. I'm still doing it after all <laughs> these years, right? So you never In know. Good
1: fight. That's yeah, right. So-
0: doing the good fight. So, yes, I mean, how can we inspire? How can we inspire and, and touch the—I um, don't want to say the heart center—but speak to someone's consciousness and their humanity that's already in the position of influencer, right? There's all these quasi influencers, right? And it's like yes. you know the money—you di- know the 30-day money-back guarantee—and oh my gosh, I've got all the testimonials, and then they use words like "hack." It's like no, you can't hack your brain. You, you, there yeah. is no hack to doing this work it's hard and sometimes there's setbacks. I think the one thing that I do want to say to folks that are listening is that once you experience a breakthrough, then that breakthrough in itself creates neural pathways for other breakthroughs to happen. And those are, whether it's a small breakthrough or a large breakthrough, a breakthrough is a breakthrough. And how can we then touch that humanity component of what we have in our hearts and our consciousness with others that are already in those positions to say, hey, you know what, Frank, we're going to take this on and we're going to do something with your educational piece. So that way we can help veterans with where they're at and other people that are affected by post-traumatic stress and and help reduce the, we're going to get to that end of the spectrum where now someone's incarcerated.
1: Yeah. And, and what can we do to prevent that? Right. And, and I think to answer to, to answer that question, at least what seems to be working, um, is that that same toolkit, that the same toolkit that influencers use and what, I mean, like, let's take the term influencer, what are they influencing us to do? Right. Take some action. Right. right. And it may be buy this pair of shoes, put this lipstick on, whatever there's a very sophisticated toolkit Eb, you know about it too and what we were trying and accomplishing is it will take a film like those who serve well obviously is what we consider to be like the french por- the the front porch light. you yep. know, that brings in all the moths right it brings in all the eyeballs it can, you know we can get a large and it's a, it's long form too which I'm, i used to go um especially when i was doing the corporate work it was always like 10 minute documentaries and we're trying to shove a, a really detailed story.
0: Right. And I've really
1: started to fall in love with, and, and now you see brands are actually jumping on board, even Apple TV, you know, they're, they're, they're funding large, um, uh, long form, which is like feature length, an hour, hour and a half, two hours, whatever, really unpack the subject matter, allow people to walk into that reality for a while. But then once, um, once they're done with the film, The idea is that you zero the distance between inspiration. Now you've got an inspired, large inspired viewer that you then are able to activate them. And it's not just a, it's not like just blanket activation either. It's just like influencers. What do they try to do? They try to get certain population to a group and keep them there. And, um, and that's basically the media technology that we're working on. I, I sit on the board of the social impact entertainment society, and we kind of, with these kind of things. And we've got some great partners like Johns Hopkins and Harvard and MIT Media Labs. And we come around in different ways to, as you said, maybe sitting in the movie theater as a veteran watching this film, thinking, you know, it's time for me to go get some help. Right. And, you know, what do I do? Do I make an appointment with a doctor? No, here's a better way. Here's a community of other veterans just like you. Right. And and we're going to, you know, and you could go onto this app. It's private. You can learn and you can just be there. You could be a voyeur, it's just like watching. You can scroll through like you're scrolling through Instagram. Nobody's there to say, hey, let's get the work on you. It's just like, right. let's take your time and be within this community. And then maybe you're not a veteran, like you have family members or veterans, or maybe you're just like, you know what, this is an American issue. We need to address this. I want to be part of that community that's there to support veterans. I don't want to just glad hand and say, thank, thank you for your service and right. say that, well, that's my civic duty. Um, I want to do more. I want to get involved and be able to have these, like these communities that are using those same social media toolkits that influencers are using. And we're going to use that toolkit rather than the sell you a pair of shoes. We're going to use it to try to affect real change. Um, That's what we're working on right now for this film with the community, um, community veterans justice project, which is based out of Los Angeles. And it is, um, it is a group of lawyers that came together originally and now it's a much larger organization a group of lawyers that came together and realized that when the veteran comes into the criminal justice system they need help their families need help and it's just as simple as that so they've got about 12 different service organizations that are in los angeles that are there to wrap around and create that compassionate solution so imagine watching a film like you know those who serve and then right after you watch the film you wow i'd love to get involved and you find out about cbjp and you'd be you become part of that community in whatever role you want to be, whether you're a veteran or supporter of veterans, families of veterans, or just, you know, a a, a civilian who's interested in making sure that these issues are addressed or PTSD is is something, you know, I've, I've divined at least three specific populations in America, the former foster youth aged out 18 to 26, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, tra- they need trauma f- trauma-informed community to be, to, to support them, um, veterans. And then, obviously, the formerly incarcerated people. Who, right. Who come out sometimes into, like, an alien environment and have to figure mm-hmm. out their way. So, I mean, I think we continue to use these tools um, f- for what they are actually designed to do. Like yep. you said, as as innovators mm-hmm. and not just say, well, this was a tool that was designed to sell us products. Right. Well, why can't this be a tool designed to affect social change
0: mm-hmm.
1: in a positive mm-hmm. way? Right. <laughs> in a compassionate. Way.
0: Right. It reminds me of the kids movie, uh, Meet the Robinsons. Have you seen that mm-hmm. one? I love So mm-hmm. there's that uh, one of the characters, Big Welt, and he says, you know, see a need, fill a need. And, you know, and what I like what you're saying, too, is that the system, you know, the toolkit is is built as a foundation and it can be repurposed for other population groups. So whether we're talking about veterans or, you know, folks that are transitioning out of foster care and then also people um, incarceration as well as, you know, post and then domestic violence survivors. Um, kids from, you know, adults or even children of, of abuse, there's BIPOC community, LGBTQ plus. I mean, there's so many uh, populations that we can serve and then, yeah, to take action, Mm
1: -hmm. to
0: take action. And why action is important is because The data and the research shows that peer support, when a person's in a peer support program, whether it's formally or informally, and this goes back to some of the work that Maslow did, right? The hierarchy of needs, the sense of belonging, the sense of connection. There are studies that show that the um, healing process is expedited when you are with a group of people that understand. It's like, I understand maybe our, our experience of the trauma is different. Our symptoms are similar. Maybe someone has, you know, symptoms that I don't have, but I can relate to it, you know, like insomnia, for example. I know there's people who have a real hard time sleeping. And I, I've managed to put together like my own rituals that I do every night and I'm out like a light. That's it. And it's it's aromatherapy <laughs> based. You know, they need those. <laughs> it's I kid you not. It's like I have my own little concoction. Again, I like to cook. So it's like I, I always go back to like, okay, what can I create and what kind of aromatherapies are used for what? And then I kid you not, it's like my whole bedroom's like what why great big spa. I absolutely love it. And then I am I, it's like I tell my kids, okay, I'm going to bed. That's it. And it's like, I'm out. And then I wake up, the alarm goes off. It's like, okay, got to hit the gym. There you go. Bing, bang, boom. Pot coffee's ready. French press. We're ready to go do it again. But why I say this is that we can create systems. And one of the system that's so important is community. And even the surgeon general, the U.S. Surgeon General has talked openly about. The effects of isolation. So isolation used to be a geriatric, you know, challenge of senior citizens, right? And now then it then it moved from, you know, you see stories about kids and, you know, parents are inviting everybody to come to birthday parties and no one's showing up. So we got isolation with kids, isolation with seniors. I mean, there's groups that are saying, like, why is it so hard to make friends as an adult? You know, why do we have to get a, a mental health condition before we actually find our tribe? Right. People who genuinely, genuinely want to help us as well as reciprocated that we want to give too. So there's another guy, um, Dr. Ahmed Hank here out of England, the wounded healer, who says, you know, when when we heal ourselves and we give that back to somebody else, then we also amplify the healing that we deepen it within ourselves. And it's not an injury that you can see. So just because someone's walking around, like, how many times do you go somewhere? And someone says, Well, how are you doing? Somebody actually asked me that today at, at Whole Foods. I'm like, I'm stressed out. I don't have my menu for the holiday, <laughs> you know. And they were surprised by my response. And I actually said, Well, if you asked me how I'm doing, you didn't expect me to say I'm stressed because I don't have my menu done. Okay, yeah. but if that's the worst that I got going on, I'm okay. I'm still, you know, six feet above ground. So okay, we got another shot at this thing called life. You know, let's rock with it. How can we utilize film and cinema and and, and also music? We've got all these amazing oh,
1: arts. Fantastic. Yes, absolutely.
0: How can we utilize these? And I don't even call them tools because they're so beautiful. I mean, even yeah, when we're seeing okay. tragedy, there's a beauty about it, right? I always say, I this one lady got really mad at me because she's like, Oh my gosh, you know, Dr. Deb, you know, you swear. You know what I said? I said, if we can use shit. For the manure in the soil, and it grows something. Then we can use a shit of something. life. How do we yeah. grow something? So, what are some of the the growth moments of of the movie that you learn, like going through the process and doing it? What are some of those like things that emerged after the fact?
1: I think. Um, well, I, I think one of the most interesting things you just hit on is that we one that's the power of story, um, our brains, and you probably know better than anybody. Our, our brains really take story and and do some phenomenal things inside our brain. Phenomenal things happen when we hear a story and, and, and listen to it, and it, prof- it can profan- profoundly change our, our perceptions. I mean, one of, one of the highlights that we had for those who served was the opportunity to screen at the U.S. Capitol. Um, uh, Congressman Jim Costa hosted us at the Capitol. And we had, um, we had Jim Seward from the council from criminal justice, uh, veteran uh, justice committee and uh, Carolyn Jacoby, who is at the behavior change communication center at Johns Hopkins university. It was, it was, to me, it was dreamy because, um, and we had other speakers as well, but the idea was we, we showed, we, we had everyone watch the film and it was neat because on Capitol Hill, obviously you've got people who are in, involved in many different issues yeah. from ele- like Legislators uh, and their staff, and academics and veterans, um, being able to come together in one um, in, in one uh, auditorium um, and and watch the film, and then immediately after the film we have a panel discussion, and it was very interesting. To your point, is how uh, Carolyn Jacoby um, in particular was articulating how interesting it is the conversation that we were having because it turned you know went from panel discussion very quickly to audience participation Mm -hmm. and and the ability to be able to have that sort of a conversation that really transcended so many different uh subjects and at such a deeper level of sort of understanding after just having watched a story like this one and carolyn was bringing up the fact it's like look at how arts and and media um like you were saying music mm-hmm. um uh, even some of the veterans that, that and uh, i have another community the former foster community that i work with you know sometimes the art is the very first opportunity to to for further discussion it's the as you just said like in the grocery store somebody comes up to you and asks how are you um we've been finding and you know, the media platform that we have for Former Foster, which by the way, is completely run, and I'm proud to say run by 40 interns who are from the Former Foster. So they're, they've are they been through it and they've now sustainable young adults and they're giving back to their community by being there to support those who are coming in from you know fresh out of the system. But one of the f- things that we found because we do, you know, it's a media intensive uh, platform we allow them to post their own poetry their own music their own art and we found that art was really you know from the data side like i said the toolkit side every time somebody posted their own art whether it's a painting or drawing something uh, as a post one it got a lot of engagement
0: mm-hmm. but what it
1: also did was the artists started to speak about their own inspirations behind it and it like sort of opened up it was like the crack in the door it says, "I I feel like I'm ready to start talking about some of these things because I feel safe in this environment, in this
0: community." Right.
1: So, to your point, exactly. Sometimes um, we think, as you know, well, the art is beautiful, the you know, the poetry is nice, the song is great." But these are great opportunities not only for the artist to be expressing, but for there to be opportunity for dialogue. Yep. That, that, safe that to me is the magic of what we're of social impact entertainment. You know, being able to be on Capitol Hill, we were like, "Wow, we're on Capitol Hill!" But the real special moments was just, just to listen to the discussion that that our film prompted from people who are like, who actually work in this in this and on mental health issues. Um, it's
0: uh, wonderful. Congress Congratulations!
1: Of signed off on the Strong Act, which was it opened up the VA to mental health. Uh, services that had never been there before and just be able to hear them talking about it's just amazing Moving I'd
0: like to see too the transition from um the transaction that it is it's it's almost like it's a, a transactional based therapies and services to be um more uh inclusive and open you mm-hmm. know to have that inclusivity and the openness to be the the front line, first line of um, you know recovery services. Yeah, As opposed that to is the, part of a
1: relationship rather than just a transaction.
0: Right. Right, Correct. And my experience, too, was, you know, I'm talking to my doctor and he's not listening to me. I'm in doc school already and he's too busy on his computer, but he's asking me these, you know, very pointed questions. And then one of the questions was, what pharmacy do I want to have a prescription sent to it? I'm thinking, what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> and I, I actually said that. What are you talking about? And so he's like, well, you know what you're describing is a traumatic uh, flashback. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, well, I'm going to give you a prescription. And then here's a referral Make that go to, away. <laughs> yeah, to a psychotherapist. And I, I'm on my phone Googling because uh, I had been three years into my doc program. And I I Googled, you know, um, post-traumatic stress history research. And so I, I did, I flipped my phone. I'm like, we got over a hundred years of data and this is the best we have. I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. We did have some words. And, I, and then I left his office. So that was on a Friday, got back to the university on a Monday talk with the dean. I'm like, I need to change some stuff here. I'm not going to do anything about entrepreneurship. It's all going to be about stress, the mind, the body, the emotions, spirituality, looking at alternative remedies. I put myself in the program as a patient, as well as a researcher. I had to disclose like, okay, I'm here because I got the issue and I want to learn about it because I'm going to do my own study. And um, I had to do some things over, which was fine. Um, But I was like, yeah, no, we're not going to, we're not doing that. What are you talking about? A hundred years. And I even said to statistically, how many doctorates get churned out every year? How many master's degrees get churned out every year? They're supposed to have, because I know, because I went through the program, innovation, new mm-hmm. things, not redoing something and replicating it and saying, did you get the same results, but new mm-hmm. stuff to get that education? What are we doing here? So there are multiple layers of what I'm hearing you say that we can help people people that are affected by the symptoms as well as secondary, their families. And then yes, ourselves as community members, what are we doing to help each other? What are we doing? And what are we doing? One thing we're having you on here and you're talking about what you're doing and you're talking about multiple things. In addition to the movie, you've got these nonprofits, you're on part of a board, you're helping kids. I mean, just like what a trifecta today, Frank.
1: I think, um, and then the last thing you said is, was your, you know, um, if not you, who moment, right? Um, including this podcast, I think these kind of um, access, uh, like you said, this access to dialogue and discussion and, and just general, not just, I hate the term destigmatization because it sounds like there's something to be destigmatized. It's right. It's more like, let's just have a, let's just have a conversation. Let's just. Get back to being able to to be community, right? Because uh, social media does a really great job of dividing. Uh, it, it it does a great job of organizing people within you know a group. Yeah, I think that's the power. That's the that's the uh, that's the superpower that it contains as a tool. Right, like a hammer can you know can nail and, wall, and build a wall, or you can use the same hammer to tear down a wall. Right. So, um, you know, it's it's just it's just remarkable. Um, what you just said about, you know, the, the research and, and, and involving yourself in it as well. I think is, is you know, it's obviously brave. Um, I didn't have a be, choice. The I The research pro- and the research. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Yeah, no, it is. I, I, and I say I didn't have a choice because the other, I did say this to my doctor. I'm like, and I had, did, uh, we don't have a patient doctor relationship anymore. Actually, after that, I was like, no, um, I, the option, the option was not, the other option for me was not an option. That was not an option. So it's like when you identify what options are and you can say one of the options without a doubt is not an option, then it's like, no. okay, well, what can I do? Because the other thing that I I find within our group and meaning group people that are affected by post-traumatic stress, whether it's a leader, a a practitioner, a person that you know has a lived experience um from firsthand or secondary is that we're looking for solutions and options. And when we are in say like a fight, flight, freeze moment, we might not be able to see it. And that's why I always say prepare for a bad day or a bad moment on good days on in good yeah. moments. So then you have your you have your backup. And and one of the things that um that we do too is Making uh commitments and promises to ourselves. Cause sometimes people will say, like, I don't even know where to start. And it's like, well, start with where you're at, start with what mm-hmm. you have. And that's a place to start. So somebody might also say, Well, I mean, there's a person that um like I'm too old. And it's like we've met people that are in their 90s that are like, you know what, I don't want to be like this anymore. I don't want it to be like that. I want it to be like this instead and that's what we mean when we say like start with where you are we meet everybody with where they're at and that's the right place and sometimes it it takes um losing everything or hitting rock bottom for people to actually make the change we we also know about research and data of why does it take a catastrophic event to make social change why does it take a catastrophic event to make an individual personalized change. And there's three different, there's three different buckets people will fall in. And companies are the same. They either sit and wait and see what everybody else is doing and then they make a decision. Or they're the proactive ones who are like, nope, I'm gonna dive in, I'm doing it. That's it, no more toe dipping, we're all in. And then there are the people that are like, I'm flat, I'm not gonna do it, until they're either forced to change and they become um part of history, right? Or they are forced to make the change. And then they realize, like, the green eggs and ham, you know, moment. Oh, yeah, shoulda, woulda, coulda, and now I can An example of that is how many times in academia did some institutions say, we will never do online education. The pandemic hit. And then holy buckets the next thing. Yep, for our listeners who like when I say holy buckets, there it is. Uh, yeah, all of a sudden now they're doing online education and they're going to keep it. <laughs> you know, why does it take those three things? So question for you. Where can people find you? Where can people find the movie? Where can they connect with you?
1: Oh, great. Thank you. Um, well, first of all, foremost, um, you could check out the uh, website, which I imagine will be on your notes. But it's um, it's com. Um we will be uh launching the distribution on through what we call an aggregator. So it should be able to be found on a lot of the different platforms, including YouTube, which actually has become, you know, it's sort of come full circle, where YouTube is actually becoming a very uh popular um platform for full form um movies like ours. That'll be in the fall. Okay. Um right now we are are working on getting our our or funding so that we can get um, the uh, lesson plans and the discussion guides that John Hopkins University is helping us with so that we can have our film as this educational tool on Journeys in Film. So you can check out journeysinfilm.org to learn more about the platform that this will be living on. There's some really great movies on there already like Hidden Figures and some of the others that uh, that you probably already have, have heard of, and you can actually download those and, and get a discussion guide. It's really great for like, you know, if you're going to have like an event um, where you want to have an event screening at a local level, it's sort of like you can do it yourself. And then, um, and then lastly, my media technology company is HerobridgeLA, Los Angeles.org. And you can learn more about sort of the this activation moment where we have big films uh, that are attached to digital communities. And um, and we'll be launching our you know, social media that goes with uh, the, those who th- those who serve film probably later in the summer. Awesome. So you can start following us there. And then um, uh, if you want to learn more about the organization that uh, that is being supported by those who serve, uh, it's CVJP.org, which is Community Veterans Justice Project.
0: Well, in our show notes, we always have the active hyperlink. So folks, when you do go check out Frank's stuff, let them know, hey, you know what? We heard about you from PTSD and beyond. That's always really helpful feedback. So then people know like, where did you hear about us? How did you find us? And uh, thank you again so much for the work that you're doing and for coming on and being a Star Trek fan.
1: That's so cool. Yes, of course, <laughs> we can do a whole episode on that.
0: I know, no doubt, right? We we sure can. And as long as we talk about can we ever get to, as a you know humanity with inter, uh, species development, the um, Q level, as well as Deanna Troy? Can we actually do that? Will we ever get there? I don't know.
1: Resistance is futile.
0: <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> I appreciate it so much. Thanks, Frank, for coming on.
1: Thank you so much.
0: You bet. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. Hey, guys, this is Dr. De with PTSD and Beyond. Remember, all right, say it with me. I know you guys do. We're better together. We're stronger together. And take what resonates and go beyond.